Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Friday on the horn, Rod Babers, what does that make it? A freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Rick Flair, woo! Football Friday edition of Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. Boy, did we have some football last night. How about the uh, wild finish in Houston, H Town? Cougar High. They were, oh, I can't say that. They get mad at me. The Cougar, Cougar High? I got a lot of good friends who are Houston. Oh, they don't like that? They don't like Cougar High. Yeah, no, no. You make seem like name. little brother. They don't want to be little brother anymore. Well, because, you know, I was growing up in Houston as a commuter school, right? So it was like mm-hmm. it was like an extension of your high school. Yeah. Because nah. you just you went from high school to Cougar High. Mm-mm. They don't want that. Now it's big time. Now they're in the Big 12, and they have yeah. a Big 12 win for the first time after last night's. Yeah, Dana Hogan. That was the Dana Hogan Bowl. It was. The Dana Bowl. And Dana was on the hot seat with 12 seconds to go, I got to tell was, you. He was freaking out. You can tell. He was freaking out. You see him on the sidelines? Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll walk you through how it came, played out. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, nine lead changes in that game, but it did look like with five minutes to play, Houston had taken control of the game. But hey, uh, The fat lady was not singing yet. She was just warming up. God, Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have that for you. Also, uh, NFL Week 6 is underway. Windy, windy night in, at uh, Arrowhead Stadium and kind of a sloppy, ugly game. Taylor Swift in attendance to see the Chiefs get a win. They've beaten the Broncos now 16 straight times. We'll get you details coming. 16! 16. 16. We mentioned yesterday that the Broncos are on their sixth head coach or interim coach since they last beat the Chiefs. And this that's is, why it's that's been crazy. 16 times. I cannot believe I mean, that. This is the proud Denver Broncos of John Elway and Super Bowl's past. Well, Peyton think, Manning. That's why they're having like a fire sale right now, too. They're, they're getting rid of pieces. They, they're about to start the— We're not talking about like the Detroit Lions, Rod. This is going to be the real rebuild. The Randy Gregory they traded. They're thinking about trading Frank Clark whenever some team makes them an offer that they like. That Jerry Judy stuff now has come up, right? Jerry Judy. Oh, got to play that for you. <laughs> Maybe on a trademark. Yeah, I said that to Ty. We can play that. Uh, Steve Smith going off on. He said, tells what Jerry you really Judy. think, Steve. And uh, then Jerry Judy. This is why is, we talk about the petty in sports is now going to an all-time high, and he's right. A lot of it's because of social media. But some of it is kind of just straight-up old-school petty. This was one of those situations where Steve Smith is giving his thought you know, as as an analyst on you know his thoughts on Jerry Judy as a player or whatever and his struggles, and Jerry Judy is in the background whilst Steve Smith is giving the analysis, taunting Steve Smith oh, about play his this. analysis. Did y'all watch that? Oh, it was great. We'll get that coming up. Plus, I don't know uh, if he actually said it. You can hear him in the background. I think maybe of it too. We also have to go behind the burnt orange curtain this segment because bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Steve Sparks. He is the color analyst on Houston Astros Radio. Also a former pitcher for the knuckleballer, Rod. Steve Sparks was a knuckleballer. How, how rare are knuckleballers? Pretty rare. Knuckleballers are rare. Kind of unicornish. We'll ask oh, Steve about okay. that. He was a knuckle. He also went to Sam Houston. 
Sam Houston State, where he was a fireballer, and then he became a knuckleballer. Now he's fireballed in knuckleball. Well, he was he was just a regular pitcher, but then he got to the big leagues, realized my stuff doesn't translate. I don't think let's mm. throw the knuckleball. And uh, Steve, I think he's one of the best colored guys out there. Uh, if you're an Astros fan, Rangers Jeff Fry will be with us next hour. Nice. Uh, a couple of people said I was thrilled with Houston. Took them plus three. This game says that that hail mary saved my fourteen parlay. Had Houston SMU <laughs> the Phillies money line and under the KC game. Yeah, there you go. Nice job. Four leg parlay. Thank and a hail mary. Hail mary. You're buying drinks tonight. You're buying drinks. Uh, all right, let's get to the headlines, trending topics to uh, get you, including that wild game down in Houston. Top Gun Reynolds and lawn equipment. Yeah, Major League Baseball's playoffs are set for the Final Four now, and the upsets just keep on rolling in. In Philadelphia last night, it was Nick Castellanos hitting two home runs for the second straight night. First player ever to do that in the playoffs. Six Phillies pitchers combined to once again shut down that high-powered Atlanta offense. Philly takes the game last night 3-1, to one, the series three games to one. The, they knocked the 100-plus win Braves out of the playoffs again. Second straight year they've done that. They're now going to face the upstart Diamondbacks in the big surprise NLCS. Uh, of course, in the American League, defending champion Astros will face the Texas Rangers in that Texas all-Texas best of seven. That starts on Sunday night. Now to college football. Absolutely wild matchup down in Houston last night. Nine lead changes between Houston and West Virginia. Dana Holgerson's Houston Cougars firmly in control, though, leading West Virginia 35-24 with less than four minutes to go. But the Mountaineers scored a late touchdown, got it within three at 35-32. And then with tw- under 25 seconds to go, this happened. An interception earlier. Fourth and ten, ball game on the line. Green's pass, caught, Wow! and look out, it's Clement. He might score, he does score. There it is on fourth and ten on Fox TV last night. 50-yard touchdown to put them up 39-35, but Houston still had 12 seconds to go. Little short pass on first down to get the ball out to midfield, and then Donovan Smith, the quarterback, did the rest. Best completions in a row. This will be his last, and it's for the football game. If he can get it off. To the end zone. Tipped. And he caught it. It's touchdown. Holy Toledo. Stephon Jackson does it again. Yeah, Tim Brando on Fox last night with Spencer uh, Tillman. Two touchdowns in the last 25 seconds. The Hail Mary gives the Cougars their first conference victory. As members of the Big 12, they win that game. They're now 3-3. Three and three. They will host the Texas Longhorns next Saturday. West Virginia falls to 4-2. and two. Also last night, SMU rolled East Carolina 31-10 NFL. It was the Chiefs over the Broncos again because they always beat the Broncos. 19-8 uh, was the final. The only touchdown in the game was Patrick Mahomes to Kadarius Toney. Uh, at least for the Chiefs. A lot of field goals there for them. Windy night, they get the victory there. Dallas Cowboys will wrap up week six on Monday night. Football facing the L.A. Chargers. Yesterday, the Cowboys officially put their starting linebacker Leighton Vanderesh on injured reserve with a neck injury. High school football last night. Vandergriff, the Vipers, improved to a dominant 7-0. They crushed Round Rock 45-3. Pflugerville Weiss rolled past Bryan 42-13. And basketball, Big 12 announced the conference's preseason awards yesterday and teams as chosen by the league's coaches. Texas sharpshooting transfer guard Max Asmus was named the uh, pre- to the preseason All-Big 12 team. Forward Dylan DeSue, junior guard Tyrese Hunter, sophomore forward Dylan Mitchell all received honorable mention honors. Uh, Asmus, by the way, the current NCAA scoring leader in four seasons at Oral Roberts. He averaged nearly 21 points per game. Now he's first-team All-Big 12. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Okay, so I don't know what's up with... I think 
Steve Smith has a podcast. Well, everybody's got a podcast. He's got a simulcast where he gives, I have a podcast. Everybody, everybody's got a podcast. You have a damn good one, though, by the way. Yeah. Um, but he has a, a simulcast that he does, and I think he refers to it, actually, in the audio. Um, can we have this pulled up, Ty, please? So this he, is NFL Network last night, right? Yes. This is them uh, co- before the game. I yeah, believe pre-game this is coverage. Pre-game coverage, before the game. And I, and I believe it's... Um, um, I believe, I I believe he actually on his podcast at one point. This is him referencing what he said on the podcast. But then he <laughs> he's asked by um, I forget it's Garofalo, Mike, Mike Garofalo, Mike Garofalo, who's with him. He's asked him like, "Hey, go go into a synopsis again." And I think you can see that in the background. And this is right on the field. Yes, on the field, on the background, Jerry Judy. Is in the background flashing. Somebody actually got separate footage of Jerry Judy, and he is like talking trash to Steve Smith and Garofalo a little bit. And I don't know if you can see it in the actual shot that NFL Network has, but there is some individual video out there too on social media. But there is Steve Smith, the audio of him giving his thoughts about Jerry Judy, and this is probably why Jerry Judy was so upset with him. For a short while ago, yeah. Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy was walking by, and Steve called out to him, I called and he got a different reaction. I called out to him because uh, on my podcast, Cut To It, I just talked about guys that maybe have not um, showed up in a way or in a manner. And so the word that I've used uh, to describe him in the past was a jag, just a guy. Just a guy. And so when I saw him, he's playing well. I wanted to say to him face-to-face, like, hey, I know I said some things in the past I probably shouldn't have, and I'm sorry. That's what I wanted to say to him. His response, Mike Rob and Bucky, was ninja. Ninja? Yes, I'm using the word ninja. That's I'm just using the word ninja. I don't mess with you. And it was a, it was a curse word. And so I was like, all right. And then he repeated it. So I'll say it again. I'm sorry that I said you were a jag, just a guy who's an average wide receiver that you're a first-round pick on that isn't doing anything. I hope today that you actually show up in a way that you haven't showed up in the last couple of years since they drafted you. So if you ever got a problem with Agent 89, I'm sorry for saying that you're an average wide receiver that they eventually will move on. And when teams call me and ask him, should they trade for you? I will say, no, don't trade for Jerry Judy because he's mentally unable to handle constructive criticism from people who watch specifically, can he be a wide receiver? He could be a wide receiver. He's a tier three. Oh, go back into the studio. I'm done now. Thank you. Go. Going back to the studio, I'm done now. Thank you. Oh, that was great. That was oh, that was great, Penny, right there. Like I said, there's there's footage of Jerry Judy kind of taunting him, and you you don't want to mess with Steve Smith. Man, Steve Smith will fight you. He's, oh, he is. He he is. I don't know if he's likes he's to fight guy. Best, he's one of the best receivers. Are you, did yeah. you ever cover Steve Smith? I did, did cover Steve Smith, and he's got another gear, um, a whole another gear that you don't you don't want to be have anything to do with. That guy was, <laughs> and he's, he's you know he's built like a little boxer, man. He is. He's, well, and he's and he's strong oh. at the point of attack, like a running back would be, but he's fast as any wide receiver. No, I'm with you. He was a total package guy. And he had the attitude, had that dog. Had that dog in him. And Jerry Judy and the Broncos were so mad about that, Jerry Judy went out and caught three passes for 14 yards. <laughs> he took that personal, E. E, he took that personal, man.
And, right. uh, and Russell Wilson had 82 passing yards last night. Oh, man. Big game. Big game through the air for the Broncos. That was uh, That's all-time great petty. So I, I love it. There's a lot of petty going on with the Broncos. You know, Sean Payton, that kind of stuff. But that Steve Smith comment was great. And I I'm say- done. Go back to the studio. <laughs> I'll say this though, because um, Steve Smith, he I think he has his great analysis though. Actually, I think he does too. He remember he was the one. I remember I think it was the 2017 class. Whenever Cooper Cup comes out, he has a famous like uh, like take where before like the draft. I'm talking about doing draft season. He says Cooper Cup's the best wide receiver in this class. When nobody knows who the hell Cooper Cup is, and they're like, "What are what, you out talking of Washington about?" Washington State, yeah, he's like, Eastern he's like, Washington, Eastern yeah, Washington. He's like, "No, he's the best wire. Good. If you can find it on social media, it's out there. It's famous." And everybody was like, "What is this guy talking about?" He don't know what he's talking. He's like, "No, nah, I watched the film. He's the best one in the class." Turns out, we know Eastern how that Eastern Washington we third know, round yeah. pick. It was 2017. Yeah, he was like, "No, nah, man, this kid's legit." And everybody was. I remember thinking, like, "Man, either he does really deep dive analysis and homework, or..." He's just swinging for the fences on this one. And did, he nope. p- did he Did he peg Pua N- Puka Nakua? Puka Nakua? No, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I haven't kept up with it, but maybe he did. But uh, So he didn't like The point is, he does really good homework. Like He does his homework on wide receivers. Like He's not just some well, guy and, out there talking you know trash. It, it's pettiness, and now it's personal between those two. But and you know, for Jerry Judy, or for Steve Smith's side, he said he was trying to say, I'm sorry, because you are playing better this year. And obviously he, Jerry yeah. Judy didn't want to hear it. But yeah, at the same time, he has been a jag. I mean, he has not been great with the Denver Broncos. I know he had an injury one of the years. But and he hasn't had a quarterback. That's true. Time. That is fair. <laughs> Three, he's got Russell Wilson now. Three catches, 14 yards. But he's not elevating Russell Wilson. No. And Russell Wilson's not elevating him. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, – yeah, That's crazy. That, that's pretty awesome. A game itself, that was more exciting than the game because the game was – we told you yesterday there were you know heavy wins, right? And both teams were having a hard time dealing with the wind and um, getting consistency in the passing game. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, although they're – how about being 5-1, and one, and they really haven't been that sharp yet. Um, yeah, they need to trade for a wide receiver. I, they, they need to badly. Jerry Judy? <laughs> that would – I don't know. You know what? In that offense, though, Jerry Judy might look very different, let's be honest. I would say that uh, – <laughs> but, but you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have kind of the Longhorn red zone issues. They're not very good in the red zone this year. They stall out. They're too e- easily predictable. Yeah. Because it's just Kelsey and a bunch of Jags. Yep, that's right. Kadarius Tony did catch a touchdown last night. But, uh, yeah, they'll get that figured out that you got to feel like here. Uh, but be, to be 5-1 and one when you really haven't – like the Niners have been dominant to 5-0, and oh, right? And, uh, yeah, scoring 30 points every – at least 30 Detroit points Detroit have been pretty dang dominant. They had one bad game, but they've been really good. Uh, they're I mean, Dolphins, but the Chiefs are right there, and, you know, they'll, they'll get better as the year goes on. You know that with Patrick Mahomes and uh, Taylor Swift. I think now, they got to trade for – a raw receiver, though. If I do they too. don't, they I don't think they'll. Honestly, they won't make it out of the AFC title game. They won't make it to the Super Bowl. They could make it to the AFC title game. I don't know if they'll make it out of the AFC title game without a move at wide receiver. Those guys. I did pick Buffalo in their preseason. Picks. And they, I think Buffalo would beat them right now. I do too. Yeah, but Buffalo just keeps taking injuries. That's the biggest problem with them. I mean, Cowboys are now down to you know Leighton Vander Esch is out, Trevon Diggs is out. Buffalo lost their middle linebacker Matt Milano, who is their heart and soul of their defense. He got hurt in London last week, and Tre'Davious White, the, the fine corner, is out. So yeah. everybody's already hit with injuries, though. Because remember, we talked about this with Baltimore. They've been decimated on the defense side of the ball, even though they're still playing really great defense. They've been hit hard by injuries. Um, and now Miami just Mi- lost Devin yep. uh, HN. Uh, Jacksonville already had some injuries early on. I mean, it's it's a I war mean, of attrition. It really yeah, is. pretty much. You guys, why the depth? That's why you got some depth on your team. I mean, really could play a huge role in you, you know, basically lasting into the deep into the season. 
somebody on the text line. We appreciate all the texts. By the way, thanks to everybody that texted in to get signed up for those uh, wristbands to be out at Dakota next weekend. Man, we had got a, what did we have like over 400 text messages yesterday. I was told uh, from people who were listening that texted race uh, to that phone number four four seven three seven seven six. We'll give those wristbands away next week. Thanks for getting signed up. Uh, but somebody said the West Virginia celebration penalty after the late touchdown cost them big time. Yeah, that's one Neil Brown's not going to be happy about. That 15-yard penalty after they scored the 50-yard oh, yeah. touchdown yeah. allowed, you know, they had, they had to kick off from the 20, and that allowed for the long return, which then allowed them to get it out to midfield so Donovan Smith could, uh, could heave it up chance, there. Yeah. And it's funny because we, we talked yesterday to Drew Sanders, the coach of Vandergriff, and he had talked about how he had, he had watched what Oklahoma did to Texas on that Hail Mary play at the Cotton Bowl last mm-hmm. Saturday because you had asked about coaches stealing plays which was a really good question, and he was like, oh, yeah, man, I steal plays all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watch film, and no, I, mean, I love that play. And he said he was watching the Texas-Oklahoma game like we all were, and he had never seen a team rush five on a Hail Mary drop. Everybody else, all six, the other six into the end zone to cover the Hail Mary, but rush five to create more pressure, and it did. Quinn Ewers didn't have much time. He had to you know, work to get that ball off, yeah. whereas Donovan Smith dropped back. They had a three-man pressure. None of it got there. And he just kind of rolled to his left and that, had time yep. to get his feet under him and then arch it up it. high, yep. and it worked. Throw that rainbow, that that moonshot. And Drew, Drew Sanders said, "No man, we already we already installed that into our defensive game plan." And I'm not gonna lie, I prefer it that way. I mean, when you, when you really start breaking it down, all I need as a defensive coordinator is because. You know, usually teams are, are are sending out. They're going to send out. You know, four wide receivers. Sometimes four receivers. Period, and they'll leave that back in the block to give that you know that quarterback a little extra time um, to try to you know buy some time so they can launch it downfield. You send five. You still have essentially. If they send four downfield, you still can line up and play man to man, have a body on a body, which is what you want, and then you can still have two free. Defenders to be able to play the football. Everybody else is making sure they basically are boxing out their man, and you have two guys playing the football, so you still have that numbers advantage. But some coaches want even more. E. They want, they want, they want, they want two. They want to be able to double team every player pretty much, and have an extra defenders to play the ball. That's why they only rush three instead of rushing five. But I think the five actually may work, maybe more effective because that quarterback's freaking out, and he's only going to have like three seconds to get. In position, and if it's a long hail mary, hell, the wide receivers may not even be in position by then. They're still sprinting down the field. Well, see, you know, I'm thinking if I'm in, if I'm Texas, I'm dropping a guy back there like Ethan Burke, who's like six seven. Got a Teams long do arm. that. Just Teams, get up there and knock yeah. that ball down. Teams do that a lot too. Just they get put up on big, the, yeah, big bodies back there. Big and he's athletic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan Burke could be good in a yeah. role like that. Sometimes if you're they'll just put what their big wide receivers back there on defense for yeah. the hail mary. Sure, uh, your, whoever your big body wide and receiver just knock is, it down and just go knock it down. Yeah, just go. Can they play the ball better? Yeah, don't Defenders, try to catch it, and knock it yeah. down. You, you should do that. Honestly, on hail marys, I probably would put more of my offensive players back there. When you think about it. It's more of just a jump ball situation, and your defenders, they don't do that a lot. Yeah. Your wide receivers, they get used to that. Your defenders, they don't do that a lot. We don't do that a lot. We all, we all, we're all awkward out there trying to you know, play the ball, uh, but receivers, they do naturally. Hey, as Tony mentioned, props to Harrison Buckter making a 60-yard field goal in that win. Yeah, that was impressive. Butker. This says, Jerry Poopy, four fantasy points on a projected 12-point night. Thank you, Jerry. Hey, before <laughs> we talk to Steve Sparks at the bottom of the hour, can we get a quick behind the burn orange curtain with RB? asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, a couple other things here. I know we're up against it, so we'll be quick. Uh, I want want to go into some deep dive analysis um, about that 
West Virginia U of H matchup because Texas plays U of H next. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. We got plenty of time to preview U of H. It is a bye week for Texas. So I want to get into some more Texas uh, relevant um, topics, more eight, more urgent news from Texas. Uh, we'll get to the Xavier Wordy thing here in a second. But Jake Majors, Ooh. man, um, Chip Brown over at Horns 24-7 doing a great job. Uh, he always uh, does a great job breaking stories. He is reporting that Jake Majors is going to miss extend, could miss extended time with the high ankle sprain, uh, which he has been diagnosed with, and that could have him out six to eight weeks, which would basically be the rest of the season. I had a high ankle sprain in spring of my sophomore year, maybe my freshman going into my sophomore year. Yeah, it's brutal. I was out for the rest of the spring, um, and you just can't put any weight on it. It's almost impossible. A low ankle sprain, you can tape it up. There are ways around uh, being able to play with a lower ankle sprain, but a high ankle sprain, there's really nothing you can do. You're just out till it heals. Um, and, you know, even rehab pretty much can't happen until it heals completely. So he's going to be out. That's the bad news there. The good news is um, you will be getting uh, Cole Hudson back at one point. Who will probably be your starting center. Uh, looks like it. Because he was your backup center, yeah. and that was the problem for the Longhorns last week with uh, having to go to the redshirt freshman, Connor Robertson. He's your, That's your third center now because Cole Hudson was hurt. Um, and then, obviously, Jake Majors got hurt. So, uh, But DJ Campbell likely play right guard moving forward, and Cole Hudson slides to center. The good thing is you know, right, and you've had, you'll have all this week to really rep Cole Hudson uh, at, at center and, and cross-train somebody else, Rod. That's the other thing you need to be doing because you can't. Yeah, you need an emergency option, contingency plan. And, and, and more reps for Connor Robertson. And that's something Sark said that this week during the bye, uh, they're going to get the veteran players kind of off their feet a little bit and really focus on the young guys, developing depth, de- you know, giving them some time this week. So, uh, And it's interesting to me that uh, Sark did say that he really was kicking himself that he didn't play Jonte Cook more in the Dallas game. Which, the game which in is Dallas. interesting. I, I, why? why I, I'm, I'm a little. The uh, fact that he said that is like I'm a little dis- yeah, I'm I'm a little confused by that. I don't really understand. Well, like is he gonna play him, se- play him in addition to the other wide receivers? Yeah, I, or well, like rotating him in with the other wide receivers. That that that's are we that's talking a about question a ten for... personnel package where you got four wide receivers on the field? Well, look, we still don't even see Isaiah Nayer on the field. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't rotate wide receivers ever. No, that's really not his thing. He has a really tight rotation. So is he saying I want to add him to the rotation of uh, receivers, or do I want to have a, a new package? Will I have X Men, AD, J Wit, and him on the field, which he did at Alabama. He called it the red package. Well, when he said, I, kick, I kicked myself that I didn't, he must have had a play in, in mind that he didn't run, that they had worked on. That, with, that with him? He didn't get with to. With Jonte? With Jonte Cook. Now, and, you uh, admit, JT Sanders was not on a pitch count, but he was limited. So he maybe he figured, I, I should have put more explosive. Because Gunnar Helm is great. He is really, I love what Gunnar Helm is doing, but he's not the matchup nightmare that a JT Sanders is. So maybe he figures, I should have put more explosive personnel on the field, which Jonte Cook is, and that would have been more of a matchup advantage for Texas, and maybe he says, maybe he thinks to himself, I saw at matchup advantages. Because remember, Jay Swat, Jay Witt went off. Yeah. Jay Witt went off because they like their matchup with Jay Witt going up against their slot defenders. So Jay Witt went off, and maybe he figures, I should have put Jonte Cook well, in that slot a little bit more. With Jonte, the rookie, the freshman out of DeSoto, Sark has been praising him all offseason, right? Yes, yes. Like, like yeah. he, he was always a guy that got mentioned. So yeah. Jonte's obviously ahead of the curve, and you know we're seeing Anthony Hill get to play quite a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, Sark will play freshman. C.J. Baxter has played a bunch. We haven't seen as much. Now, he had the long catch against Baylor that if he hadn't stumbled, he would might have scored a touchdown on. Uh, but interesting. So we'll watch that, uh, see which players emerge next week. Obviously, Rod will get you more deep dive on Houston and what he saw last night watching the Cougars. Uh, leaky on defense, but uh, that Donovan Smith, pretty good quarterback. 
of the hour stories maybe you've missed that you need to hear on this friday the 13th you're the, the superstitious kind you i want to pay attention to that don't walk under a ladder or black cats and stuff like that robbie don't, don't break a mirror in that don't one break a mirror. Yeah, don't break I don't mirrors know. i forgot there's a bunch I don't of these know. we'll go off the record also uh next hour former texas ranger jeff fry will be with us to preview the ranger side of it but right now rod it is the All-Texas ALCS 7, yes, hopefully 7 classic games. We had Gene Watson with us last hour from the t- Chicago White Sox comparing it to the early 2000s you know, Red Sox-Yankees battles that they had. It certainly could be that because they're rivals to begin with in the same division, in the same state, and now they're going to play with a trip to the World Series on the line. And to get more from the Houston side of it, let's go to the uh, Vaqueros hotline. He is... Uh, had a 10-year major league career with five different organizations, now doing great work on the Astros radio broadcast. Has been for quite a while. He's one of the best in the business. Steve Sparks is with us. Steve, good morning. Hey, Aaron. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing good, man. I mean, you've been on this ride with this Astros team for a while now, and they never cease to amaze, despite the roller coaster regular season this was. Uh, that went to the final day. But, you know, the big stop story in baseballs right now is the, the teams that aren't still playing, the 100-win teams, the best teams in baseball all year and how they didn't get it done, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Orioles. But this Astro team is the one that bucked that trend. And is it, does it ever cease to amaze you, Steve, how they rise to the occasion and, and find their way through this run? I mean, that's really the difference is rising when the, when the lights are the brightest, this Astro team finds ways to perform at their best. You know, I, we talked about it late in the season, too, when they were losing all those games to the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals, and you're thinking, man, I, I'm not sure they have anything left in the tank. Uh, but when the playoffs start, it, it's a different story, and, it, and it's happened on a few occasions. And I remember in the pandemic season, they were 29-31 and 31 and squeaked their way into the playoffs, and they, they've got a switch that they flip. And, you, and as a former athlete, I, I just never thought that that was really possible. But they've done that over and over. And I think that what that proves more than anything else is maybe they get a little bored in the regular season. Maybe they need just a little extra juice to, to perform at the level they do. But they're built for the postseason. Uh, whatever it is that these guys have, uh, the core guys in particular, those guys know what it takes to, to win big ball games and, and what kind of focus it takes to, to get big hits or, or make big plays in big moments. Hey, Steve, he has brought this up several times. Is that because you talk about how they, they seem like, I don't know, they get a little distracted, maybe get a little bit bored during the regular season. Is that why their away record is better than their home um, record and maybe on the road they, they've embraced being the villain? My theory is they, they like being the villains now because they're the villains of baseball after the cheating scandal. And, hey, they're villains on the road, and that's kind of what um, motivates this, this new culture of the Astros. Uh, you're exactly right. I, I do think that it gets their attention, you know, and if you're just kind of, I'm not saying sleepwalking and everybody's out there trying to do their best. And, you know, I think naturally they feel like uh, they're, they're focused uh, at their best, but I don't think they really realize it until they get to the playoffs or, or on the road, like you say, that, that something gets a little bit extra out of them. So uh, I think there's something to that. I, I also think that, you know, when, when you're a guy and you're, 28 to 30 years old and you've got young kids that are waking you up at at 6 30 in the morning at home uh they want to play and do all these things i think it's a different animal when you get to go on the road think about baseball constantly 
sleep in and, and get your rest before a game on the road helps as well. I, mm. I, I experienced that. I know that that's pretty real. Uh, a lot of a lot of things at home too, as far as foundation work. You know, a lot of charity stuff on the off days and things like that. I think you can get away from that on the road, and I think uh, they take advantage of it. That's interesting, yeah, especially with all the success. I mean, they're they're rock stars in the city of Houston now, um, the core guys. And uh, uh, Steve Sparks is with us. Game one is Sunday night. Minute Maid Park will be rocking this matchup tremendous. Hey, we played the the audio yesterday. Carlos Correa of the Twins, and he was talking about their bats getting shut down by the Astros for two games in Minnesota and the Astros pitching staff, and he immediately talked about Martin Maldonado. And I know that's been a – a talking point all year with Astros fans of Maldonado or Yiner Diaz, but boy, to hear Carlos Correa right. just talk about how he works, you know, hitters and helps these pitchers. Uh, they got to make pitches, but uh, I think we saw and heard from Carlos of why you know Dusty Baker is such a believer in in, in Martin behind the plate. Look, analytics mean a lot, and and you you want to take in that information. You want to know uh, a certain hitter's weaknesses and things of that nature. But Dusty Baker puts it like this, and I totally agree, is that Maldonado can improvise. He can call audibles when, when he needs to. And when the game's at stake, you know, you, sometimes you stick to that plan. Sometimes you, you, you go with what's working. And sometimes against certain players who are looking for something, say Jordan Alvarez, I, I don't think I've seen anybody who sits on pitches and, and takes advantage of pitchers his second time up better than better than anybody in baseball, I believe, you know, and, and that's just takes a special type of person to be able to do that. And Maldonado recognizes that. And Dusty talks about him being able to improvise what it matters most. And he trusts that. And when you got somebody to be able to do that, the pitching staff trusts him to be able to make those moves. And uh, when you throw pitches with uh, intent, that means, that means more than even the selection of the pitch. Hey, Steve, let me ask you, what do you think the, what what worries you most about uh, the the Astros in the playoffs? What do you think their biggest weakness is? We know they got championship DNA and pedigree. What do you think could come back to haunt them though in the playoffs? Well, it's the opposite of last year, you know, and it's starting to shape up a little bit. But it's the starting pitching. Mm. You know, um, Berlander won the 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 Cy Young last year with a 1.75 ERA, but he's not the same guy, you know, but he's still, he's still Justin Verlander. He's still a hall of famer and uh, he can still navigate six shutout innings like he did the other day. And you're just going, man, he's still, man, he still walks that red carpet, but Robert Valdez is not the same. The shape of his two seam fastball is not the same. Um, so he's not the same. Javier, uh, although he pitched great against the twins, hasn't been the same. Uh, so the depth of this starting pitching as we go along and you face better and better lineups as you go scares you a little bit. But the playoff format helps the Astros in that regard. It was just getting to the finish line more than anything else. Uh, but the Astros, uh, who were able to win in game four against the Twins, rather than have Verlander pitch tonight in game five, uh, certainly caught a break there. You know, they earned their break. But uh, their starting pitching depth right now is 
probably what scares you more than than anything. Yeah, no uh, Luis Garcia all year long, no Lance McCullers this time, and yeah, Framber, right. uh, see if he can find his groove. Uh, he's been up and down, and Javier too, um, with Verlander. And, and how do you, you know, you, you know this Ranger team very, very well. We're, by the way, we're going to talk to Jeff Fry in our next hour. Jeff just messaged me and said he played against you in American Legion in junior college. That's right. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. He, he's probably going to tell you he took me deep too. Okay. <laughs> took you. Frito took you deep? Oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but how he's do you? Been, he's been a trash talker since he was seven. <laughs> that is awesome. Steve Sparks and Jeff Fry will be our guests this morning. Hey, uh, this Ranger lineup. I mean, it's a handful. The Astros present issues to the Rangers, obviously, with you know Altuve on down through Jordan and Tucker, and all the way through that lineup. But the Rangers are very similar. And now they've added this young guy, Evan Carter. Twenty-year-old uh, kid who's come up, and Josh Young is back in this lineup. Um, and they're they're as deep a lineup as there is in baseball. How do you how do you think the Astros' pitching staff and Elma and uh, Maldonado will will navigate this this uh, this treacherous lineup of Texas? It's going to be different. You know, the Astros pretty much whooped up on them uh, at Globe Life Park about a, a little over a month ago, a month and a half ago, and I think it was thirty-nine to ten. And when you look at this total scores in those three games, so. Uh, it's a different lineup, though. Douglas Garcia hurt in that series. You mentioned Evan Carter and Josh Young. These guys have come on and shown that the stage isn't too big for them, and uh, they certainly present a, a huge problem. I think Corey Seager is one of the best hitters on the planet, so uh, very difficult. You know, it, when I look at these two lineups and, and how much danger they have throughout, I think I think they're pretty comparable. Um, I think they're both dangerous. I think you have to make your pitches and, and be very careful at certain spots and maybe pitch around. You know, I'm circling Corey Seager, but then you've got you've got a lot of guys that, that give him protection now and they're swinging the bats very well and they're confident. So uh, I don't think that it, it makes this series very easy to navigate at all. So for Maldonado, you know, you go out there and trust him to change it up a little bit and to do things, but it's just going to be a matter of some guys. Or can they go out there and make those pitches? Uh, I think the wild card here for me is Framber Valdez. We've spoken a couple times about him, and every once in a while he turns into the the, the Valdez that we've uh, kind of learned to love as Astros fans the last few years where he's just been a ground ball machine, but he doesn't have the same shape on his fastball that he has in the last couple years. Uh, so – they're dangerous. I, I think the Rangers offense is certainly at the level of the Astros offense. And I think what might separate these two teams when it's all said and done, if it goes to script is the two teams bullpens. Steve, you're really close, obviously to uh, this organization. Um, who is an unsung hero front office coaching staff or in the, in the locker room right now that is not getting enough credit. We're not talking enough about uh, that's a big reason for this team's success. Well, right now it's Jose Abreu. It's kind of been redemption, and mm. it looks like the last couple of games that he really stepped up, and he got the, the three homers in the last two games where, and I'll tell you, the first half of the season, maybe the first four months of the season, you're scratching your head and you're wondering if he's done. You, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. Couldn't get the ball in the air. The contact was really late. So I, I think for Abreu to, to step up right now, think about you know when, when a team wants to bring in their, their best lefty out of the bullpen. It's going to face Alvarez and Tucker, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's Abreu. It's your right-hander. And then it's Brantley after that. So you've got a pocket of four guys where you feel like you have an advantage. It's going to be up to that righty 
to do some damage. The twins saw it. Caleb Thielbar, their lefty came in. He faced the first two lefties, and then it was Abreu. You know, and you got to have some pitches. You got you got to be able to to do something with Abreu. But he hit the two run homer, and it ended up being the difference in the ball game. So uh, when there's a three three batter minimum rule in, in place, that righty, it, you know, that's protecting those lefties, I, I think it's going to come up uh, really important for any team. It's a great point when they get left-handed heavy in the situations because these games come down to a couple of situations, a couple of outs, a couple of hitters mm-hmm. in a ball game. And um, Jose Abreu could be could be massive and certainly was in the uh, series with the Twins. Uh, the Rangers yeah. have announced Max Scherzer will start game two, which is interesting. Uh, it's going to be Nathan Eovaldi in game one against Verlander and then Framber against Max. I mean, this is... This is great stuff here. This is, you know, someone who, you know, you went to Sam Houston State, uh, Steve, and you, you've been a, a Texan for a while now. How good of this is this for the state of Texas in baseball? How good is, is this for, for the big game of baseball to have these two in-state rivals going at it with all this heavy firepower, all these Hall of Famers, uh, two Hall of Fame managers? It's about as good as it gets. It's pretty good for the Buckies in Madisonville, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You know, you got you, you get the fan bases going back and forth uh, up I-45. And, <laughs> man, it's really started to ramp up, you know, and particularly this year because both teams are really, really good now. And, you know, now it looks like they're the two best teams in the American League, the way things have shaped up. And, uh, you know, deep down there's a, there's a pretty good respect, I, I think, that both teams have for each other, maybe not the fan bases because that gets a little different. Um but they're great teams, you know, and I couldn't believe it. You know, I was just thinking, and we would, didn't want to get ahead of ourselves, but when the Rangers were doing what they were doing in the playoffs, you're thinking, man, how good would this be? And I just can't imagine uh, there being uh, a louder, more intense fan base uh, for these two games than, than what we're about to witness. So we're excited about it, you know, and, and we feel like we're pretty lucky to be able to call these games. But this particular series, man, I, I just can't imagine – it being more intense because uh, there's a real probably dislike for each other right now. And uh, it's, it's good. You know, there's going to be villains mm-hmm. and we understand that. And uh, there's probably going to be some uh, tin music or and whatever you, you want to say, it's <laughs> trash talking, but uh, that makes it great, man. It's going to feel like college football or, or, or something that we were used to when uh, I was striking out Jeff Fry with the base of loaded just about every time. That's awesome. Uh, all right, Steve Sparks, there you go. Yeah, like a Texas OU feel for sure. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun, Texas. and Because the, the Astros have been through the Yankees and Red Sox mm-hmm. and some of these teams and these runs that they've made. Rangers are back in it for the first time in a while. And we hope for this all year long when both teams were playing so well and jockeying for first place in the West. Steve, thanks so much. Enjoy the call. Hopefully we can check in as the series progresses. Hopefully we get seven great ones and it's a classic. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, this is going to be great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Steve. Steve Sparks, uh, former Major League pitcher, once That's struck great. out Jeff Fry with the bases loaded in the seven, when they were seven years old. We'll talk to Jeff Fry still next time. Still talking era. trash. Complete still, coincidence, Rod. Still talking trash. I, I did it. not know that. Like, our three guests this morning, we had Gene Watson, who was in the locker room when Jeff Fry came up to the big leagues with the Texas Rangers, and now you know Steve Sparks and Jeff Fry grew up playing together in junior, what, American Legion ball. Small world, man. They both made it to the major league. baseball community is a small one. That's awesome. (laughs) We'll we'll get Jeff Fry's side of the Rangers uh, matchup. How do they attack the Astros? What are the keys for them? We'll do that in the 9 o'clock hour. Plus, Rod will get us a rant as well. But coming next, we are going off the record. Some stories maybe you haven't heard, but you need to know because you'll be talking about them all weekend. It's Hook Them Up with Ian Rodby. D.D. 
Magadudu, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break my head cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. It's time for Off the Record, and look at that, Rod. That's the new uh, picture that's sweeping the internet now. It is uh, Taylor Swift embracing Brittany Mahomes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Arm around Brittany Mahomes up in the booth last night, hugging. They're so excited because uh, her boyfriend was throwing passes to her husband, or her her boyfriend was catching passes from her husband. Hey, man, they're going to be BFFs now, hanging out all the time, kicking it. You know who's really upset about this is... Jackson Mahomes. Jack, oh, brother's out. Man, he ain't been seen in forever. He won't, he's not even allowed up there. Is he even in the? Is he even in the booth? Is he in the, the box? Is he allowed in the box? I think he he's got, banned from the stadium. He's banned. Since his oh, arrest. banned. Oh man, he hates that. You know, he loves attention. This is more attention than the Kansas City Chiefs have even have gotten even after they won a Super Bowl. He's, he can't be part of it. I'm sure he's heartbroken over it. Heartbroken. But we're all happy over it because I was tired of seeing his face. Okay, how about this? Off Give the it to me. October 13th, you know, these random holidays that they just kind of make up, uh, you know, every day is some new national blank, blank day. Yes. Today, national no broad day. Hey. Yeah. I'm not wearing one. Well, I hope not. Maybe that would be a man's <laughs> ear. A bro. A bro. I'm a not bro. bra's ear. Uh, right. Uh, is that but, the Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The man's ear. Uh, yeah, no, uh, national no broad day. There you go. Wow. So. Okay, well. Good luck Free with the that. nip. Free the nip. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> re- release, release the hounds. Uh, uh, and especially ACL Fest this weekend, that should be good. There you go. Hey, my wife's not wearing a bra, but it's for different reasons. It's because it's for my functionality, you know, because she's got to do a lot of feeding. So, yeah, boobies ain't nearly for me anymore. That, that's not for me right now. So, National No Bra what's Day the, has a lot of different definitions. The Wedding Crashers, is, is she built for speed? or? <laughs> Those are working breasts now. They <laughs> are functional working breasts. They're not just for show anymore, damn it. Uh, there you go, National No Bra Day. So enjoy that, guys. There you go. Off the record. National No Bra. It is Friday the 13th, so if you're into the superstitious thing, you're also going to get a big eclipse tomorrow we told you about. So if you're going to be outside about 11, where does the games kick off at 11 tomorrow? <laughs> Uh, about 11.15, it's the Ring of Fire Eclipse. Don't look directly at it, it says. It can damage your eyes, but you probably wear some sunglasses. You'd be good. Glance get, at it. Get the right eyewear. Don't just be staring into uh, astro- astronomical events like that. It's not yeah. good. Don't be doing that. All right? I think you can buy them online for like $2 or something like that, too. They're really cheap. Yeah. Bezos will have them delivered to your house in 24 hours. He understands. Uh, how about this? I brought this up earlier. But remember Danny Stutzman, the linebacker, the stud linebacker from Oklahoma? Uh, by the way, the... Longhorn tattoos, the upside-down Longhorn tattoos they got, they were fake. Turns out they were just trolling the Internet. Um, But he did actually make a T-shirt. He got a new NIL deal with a new T-shirt with his slogan on the back that he threw out there during their pregame speech uh, that he gave the team before the Texas OU game. Oklahoma only fears God. Texas fears Oklahoma. He put it on the back of T-shirts, and now they're selling like hotcakes among the Oklahoma fandom. Even Brent Venables went on social media, took pictures with Stussman in the shirt, so they're uh, posting pictures of both of them in the shirts, flexing a little bit. Uh, Xavier Worthy took offense to this. 
he actually posted <laughs> his own comment and retort on social media to those pictures uh, with two laughing emojis, crying laughing emojis, uh, saying you would think MFs just won the natty. That was Xavier Worthy's comment. By yeah. the way, it was it was their biggest game of the year. I think Texas' biggest game of the year was Alabama. Texas showed out in that game, and they were well-prepared. They were more prepared than Bama, and they won the lines of scrimmage versus Bama. They beat Bama in Tuscaloosa. You could argue Oklahoma did the same thing against Texas, that that was their big game. That was their, you know, their Super Bowl, and they decided you know, they were going to be better prepared, that they were going to win the lines of scrimmage, and they did just that and won that game. So, yeah, it, was, it mattered more to them, and I think they played like it too. It did. It did. They, and we said it on Monday. They were the the the, the more uh, what's the word? You they, said desperate. That's they what played, you're they saying. They played football. desperate. Like that. They said, "What's no tomorrow? This was it. That's why. That's what a nat. That's what how you would play a national title. I'm leaving everything on the field. Ain't no, nothing left. And right. as we learned from Oklahoma's side of it, that was the mantra all off season. Yep. I mean, all the way down to the pump, the, the number forty nine to nothing was all over their locker room. Mm-hmm. Whenever they would do, I heard Stutzman saying when they would do drills, they would do forty nine of them. Right? You wouldn't do fifty, you do forty nine. I mean, so yeah, I it mean, worked, and it worked. And now they've set themselves up to do something big this year. Texas obviously would like to rematch in that game because uh, they've shown the ability to play to that level and. I still think the fact that they almost won that game, despite all the mistakes, should make Texas feel pretty confident about where they're at right now. Agreed. Um, all right, so uh, off the record, also in addition to the Eclipse this weekend, Rod, got the, uh, the ACL Festival. Ty, Rod, Ty, are you going out to any of the music this weekend without the Longhorns playing? What do we got? Uh, Feeling better now? We'll see. I'm pretty pretty tight on funds these days. Hey, did you know oh. a new poll says 57 of Amer- 57% of Americans say they, they have changed a tire, while 40% haven't. 25% say they don't think they're capable of doing it. Ty, have you changed your tire yet? I changed it. I, I did not. I, the spare is on. I changed it, but Thank you. it has not been repaired, no. You changed your tire, Rod? You I'll make, an, employ- I'll make an appointment for tomorrow. Yeah, that was one of the lessons Pops taught me. I know how to change a tire. It's still, I, I don't know if I can ever forget how to change a tire, and I've changed several in my life, yeah, too. I was yeah, too. you got to learn that. That's, that's a lesson you need to learn. Male or female, you should know how to change a tire. I made my kids learn how to do that. Hell yeah, man. Got hey, in the uh, video, me and Patrick Davis playing horse from yesterday is about to, about to be oh, out. Oh, who won the horse contest yesterday? So y'all did play horse? Yeah, I lost. I told you I was going to play horse. Commit to the bit. <laughs> Patrick put it on him. Did you lose badly? You I know was what? up HO, and then I lost HO to H to horse. I did not see You was up HO? That's like we also, we, Jacob came down there like 45 minutes after we'd been shooting, so we're both like sweaty and out of breath. It's called, warm, it's called yeah. being warm. Too warm. warmed up. It's too warm. <laughs> too, too warm. warm. You are <laughs> too warm. Load management, huh? You some load management out there? Hey, we roll on. It's the five-hour extravaganza five days a week. Hook them up. We make picks coming up. Rod's got a rant. We've also got uh, uh, plenty more to do over two hours of conversation on a Friday.